If you're trying to stay focused on getting work done and eating throughout the day is something you think about, have to decide, and you're not sure what to do, and you just wish an option was available where the right meal with all of the specifications you want be available to you, easy to make, under two minutes, well, luckily for you, Factor is available where you have over 35 different options a week to choose from, including options like keto, calorie smart, vegan, and veggie. And you can enjoy over 55 nutrition-packed add-ons to help you make your weekly meal planning even more delicious. So what are you waiting for? You can get started today and have a feel-good week of meals ready to go. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking up for something fast that's upscale option done very easily. It's flexible on your schedule where you can get as much or as little as you need by choosing 6 to 18 meals per week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. No prep necessary. They're 100% ready to heat and eat. So there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup necessary. Head to factormeals.com slash sellingwithlove50 and use code sellingwithlove50 to get 50% off. That's code sellingwithlove50 at factormeals.com slash sellingwithlove50 and you'll get 50% off. Not bad. If you're saying, look, I've got a 10-year plan, I'm going to tell you right now, that plan's not going to work out. Plug into the minds of the world's cutting-edge innovators, visionaries, and thought leaders. Rewriting the rules of high performance at work. It's your time to make an impact. I am your host, Jason Campbell, and this is Superhumans at Work, a Mind Valley podcast. Hey, everybody, your host, Jason Mark Campbell. Welcome back to Superhumans at Work. I have an extraordinary gentleman on the show with me. His name is Jeff Gothelf, and he made sure that I said his name correctly. And you don't want to forget this because He's a man that started from a technology and design background, talked about UX application, lean UX, and now has just published a new book, which is all about becoming forever employable. And so I'm very curious to dig into this man who has been at the dawn of the internet working for companies such as AOL Online. And if you know what that is, you know what age group you belong to. And if you don't, then you need to go look back at the history of the internet. But this man works as a coach, speaker, author, and consultant and helps organizations build better products and he helps executives build the cultures that build better products. Great products are built by great people and great people can find ways to be forever employable. What does that mean? Do you want to be forever employable? Do you want to make the most value that you bring to the table as an employee, freelancer, entrepreneur? What are the principles that you can follow to be extraordinary and a superhuman at work? I'm so excited to have Jeff here to share his wisdom. Jeff, welcome to the show. Jason, thanks so much. That was a fantastic intro. I'm thrilled to be here. Oh my God. Well, I was reading all of your bio. I'm looking at the books and I was like, wow, this man started from the place of design, lean UX. This is all the technicalities, which are super high demand skills today. And here you're making the jump and you're talking about finding employability, being forever employable. So there's got to be a story here, which I want to start right into. Like, how did you go from the design aspect and how does it translate to the work you're doing now, which is more with cultures and employees? Yeah, it's super interesting. In fact, it's when I was writing Forever Employable, the new book, I was really concerned, frankly, that the audience that I had built up in the tech world, in the, in the design world, in the product management, just generally software product development world, wasn't going to make this transition with me. But what I realized during the writing of the book and after the book came out is that the principles that I talk about in Forever Employable were the same principles that I talked about when I started writing about user experience design and lean UX and others. It's just that the application has changed 
where we apply these ideas has changed. And that kind of increases the scope of the audience in this particular case. If you think about Lean UX, Lean UX was a response to the challenges of doing really good software and web design work in a continuously evolving technical environment. So the way that we write code, the way that code gets produced and shipped is always changing and design was lagging behind that and losing a bit of its efficacy in the process. And Lean UX was a response to that, say, look, we've got to change the way that we think about the work that we do, how we collaborate with our colleagues, how we think about getting feedback from the market and de-risking our design ideas to fit into this new reality. And over the years, those same theories, those same ideas have gone on to be applied in the context of Culture Change and Leadership, which was the second book that I wrote, co-wrote with Josh Seiden called Sense and Respond. And now with Forever Employable, which I'm super excited about, those same ideas of assumptions, hypotheses, experimentation, entrepreneurialism, continuous learning, continuous improvement, those are all the same ideas that were in these other books. Now I'm applying them to personal development, growth, career, and future-proofing your employment in a world of continuous change and really increasingly faster change as well. I find that fascinating because in essence, you're saying that at the dawn of it, you could kind of get away with what would be called quote-unquote sloppy code. Is that how I understand it? And now like, there's so much more demands on having everything be clean and structured. And is this the same things that we're seeing as a tendency for what employees need to do is become more structured? Am I seeing this correctly or is it different? It's different. It's more a factor of time. You know, in the early days of software and the early days of the web too, there was this very lengthy process to getting ideas into the hands of customers. And it was a very linear process. And the benefits of that linear aspect of the process was that every discipline in the process, whether you wrote the requirements or you designed it or you wrote the code or you tested it or whatever, you had your own block of time to do that work. And as the world of technology changed to the point where now it's driving literally every aspect of society, we don't have the luxury of that time anymore. We don't have the luxury of that personal space to just kind of sit there and work on our own thing and then give it to someone else and hope that they can do something good with it. And so how do you build that cross-functional collaboration throughout the process? Even more importantly, how do you risk your ideas? Because if you have an idea today, and it takes you six months to bring that idea to fruition in full glory, whatever that is, right? Full production value of it. You are taking on a tremendous amount of risk. You're investing your time, your money, your effort, marketing, whatever it is to get those ideas into market. And if you're wrong, that's going to hurt. It's going to hurt a lot. The same thing is true today with your career, with your professional development. If you're saying, look, I've got a 10-year plan. I'm going to tell you right now, that plan's not going to work out, <laughs> right? There's too much changing, right? And so then how do you create a situation where you are continuously putting yourself out there, testing new ideas, testing new directions that then in turn generate new inbound leads to you? In other words, look, the motivation for Forever Employable was me realizing on the morning that I turned 35 years old, that if I was going to continue to play the traditional game of every time that I need to find a new job, whether it's, it's voluntary or involuntary, which happens a lot, 
I have to update my resume. I have to publish it. I have to apply for jobs. I have to go to interviews. I have to follow up. I have to, all of those things. I was going to be increasingly less successful or decreasingly successful in that. And so to change that dynamic, I was going to start to test new ideas out there to share my expertise, to share what I know, and to start to build this conversation so that when there were new opportunities that needed what I knew and what I did for a living, they would come to me. And that shortens that cycle, right? It reduces that time and it helps me get continuously better at what I'm doing. I understand now. So I had a very different concept. So what we're saying here is the fact that because change is happening so fast, we need to constantly be able to get out there, put it out, get feedback, and have a much more lean and kind of continuous improvement kind of methodology on the way that we treat our careers as opposed to say, well, I'll be here for X amount of years, I'll build all of this and I'll follow this path and only deal with a situation if it becomes an emergency, a critical point that now I need to fix it, yet you might find yourself not relevant with the skill sets you've been leaning on for the last few years to realize that the world is changing. And if we're not kind of lean in the way that we operate as an employee and always keeping adapting our skills and keeping learning, because I think that's probably one of the core concepts here. If we're going to be forever employable, where does that learning, what are the skills that we need to start practicing regularly to make this a skill that we need to develop? I mean, look, before skills, right? Before skills, there's a quality here that you have to embrace in yourself. And I'll be straightforward with you. It's a difficult one for a lot of people, especially if you've been successful to date. And that quality is humility. Look, 10 years into my career, I had done everything right. And I was, you know, incrementally climbing the corporate ladder. I was getting, you know, increasingly better job titles, a little bit more leadership responsibility, a little bit more money, and just kind of hopping, you know, from one position to the next and getting better. As soon as you kind of hit a wall, right, you get laid off, your company gets acquired and you're made redundant. You know, I was the director of user experience at a company called The Ladders in New York City. There was no next position in the company. That was it. There was no like super director of user experience. And so when you realize that the playbook doesn't work, like the playbook that we've been told forever doesn't work anymore, that's when the learning hits. The faster that you can be humble about that and realize that even though you've been successful, that's not going to continue to get you where you're going. The hard skills, that's when the learning takes place. And if you can accept that you're going to be wrong, which is difficult for a lot of folks, then the real learning and experimentation can begin, right? So I'm going to start to put ideas out there, whether it's through blogging, podcasting, videos, articles, whatever it is, right? Visualizations, PowerPoints, speeches, whatever is easiest and most effective for you. And you're going to start to test those ideas and say, look, my expertise is X and I'd like to apply it in this way. And here's some thoughts. And the people who are in your domain are going to give you feedback. And sometimes they're going to say, wow, Jason, that's amazing. You're spot on here. And I'd love to hire you to come teach my folks or help my company do that or give you a promotion in the organization and help you kind of bring this message to a broader set of our employees. And a lot of times people are going to say, I don't get it. That's dumb. You know, it doesn't make any sense or whatever it is. And again, as long as that engagement is respectful and constructive, we can learn from that and then we try again. And so the same risks that you would take by building up a product for a lengthy amount of time and shipping it and hoping customers like it is the same risk that you take by building your career for a long amount of time and then sort of not testing the next steps 
in your career before committing to them? Because there's a lot of risk there. Like you said, your skill sets may become outdated very, very quickly, especially if you've been in-house somewhere for a long time. And there's a real risk of becoming institutionalized and kind of only doing things, you know, the way that this company does it. Mm. From what I'm picking up here, I feel like it's everyone who's in a career must not forget that they're also building a personal brand for the skill sets that they have. They're literally looking at, okay, if I'm going to be, you know, uh, if it's a UX designer or even if it's a salesperson, that you should be putting yourself out there, have a voice on the marketplace and embrace this kind of inner teacher in you to validate the continuous learning. And that's when you're talking about like putting it out there in a podcast or maybe it's building your LinkedIn profile, but you're always putting your ideas out to kind of see if it matches with the current market conditions so you can get that feedback on where you stand. And I assume that by naturally doing that, you're attracting potential people that would want employee in the future. You might be making relevant connections to people who can teach you the next things. Am I going down the right path here? Absolutely. Absolutely. Look, personal branding, for some reason, and I don't know why, maybe I do know why, but but there's also kind of a negative connotation with that phrase, personal branding. And I will be the first person to fight against that negative connotation because I believe that if you've got the experience, if you've got the expertise, if you're respectful, if you're generous, then you deserve to build a personal, like you deserve the personal brand that you build by doing that. But it is exactly the goal. You need to create a presence for yourself in the marketplace, in your industry, in your domain. So people know that, you know, Jeff got health. He's the lean UX guy, right? He's the guy who knows how to bring designers and software developers and product managers together in an effective way. And when I need that skill or that service in my company or in my team, I'm going to reach out to him first. And it's absolutely key. You know, in the book, we talk about planting your flag. That's the direction that you go in. You choose a subject matter that you'd like to own, to be known for, to become the person who's associated with that, and then to build your personal brand around that. If you don't like that phrase, thought leader, another tough one, but nevertheless, it's the same thing. I really like Dory Clark, who wrote the foreword for my book. She uses the phrase recognized expert or recognized expertise. I like that one the best because it seems to have the least negative connotations with it, but it's all the same stuff, right? It's you putting yourself out there and your expertise in order to proactively share with your community so that when they need what it is that you know, you're the first person that comes to mind. I love it. And we've had Dory as one of our first guests on the podcast here, brilliant thought leader. And I'm glad that she was involved in your project as well. And she actually spoke a lot about how do organizations make sure that they encourage employees to do that. And so if you're curious about any topic like this, definitely go back to the episode with Dory, where I wanted to focus our conversation here is this big idea that you talk about plant a flag. And for some, it might not be so obvious on how to start Or it might seem like there's already existing people that have that flag out and it feels kind of intimidating to go out and plant your little flag if you're just getting started. And you might get into a sense of comparison. Maybe it's envy. Like, I'm doing something. Who am I to go out and speak about it? So how do you get over possibly called an imposter syndrome? I don't know. Where do we start to make sure I can plant a flag and feel confident doing it? Yeah, so I'll talk about imposter syndrome in just a second because I'll tell you that It is in my experience, it never goes away. But the beginning of the question is a really good one, right? So I'm going to plant a flag and I do marketing, right? Or I do software development or I do product management or whatever it is. If you go online, it feels like everything about everything has already been said. 
And to some extent, that's true. There is an infinite amount of content out on the web about literally every topic. But there's one story that is absolutely not there, which is your story, right? The steps that you took to get to where you are today, the experience that you gained to get to where you are today, the challenges that you overcame to get there, the opportunities that were presented to you, the camaraderies, the learnings, failures. No one has that except you. That is the one thing I can guarantee you is not online right now. And so that's where you start from. So if you're going to pick, look, I'm, I'm in marketing, for example. I want to plant my flag. Well, terrific. Let's get a bit more specific than marketing. Say marketing for the real estate industry or marketing for healthcare or digital marketing or whatever it is, right? But you're going to find a slice of that marketing world that you're the expert at. Now, doesn't matter how, it doesn't matter how much experience you've actually had in that, whether you're a first year employee or whether you've been in it for five or 10 years or 20 years, you've got a story to tell. Start at the beginning and start telling that story. That's exactly what I did. The work that I did leading up to the publication of Lean UX, which was my first book, I was doing the work that we wrote about in the book. And I just started writing about the work that we were doing. Now, we were addressing a challenge that a lot of software development teams had, and that started to draw some interest. And then in doing so, the audience grows a little bit, a little bit, and you start to speak at a conference or a meetup here and there. And then eventually the invitations start to come in. But you start by talking about what you know and what you did and your path to get there. Because again, no one has them. That's absolutely key. Don't let that stop you. People always ask me, well, I've got a year's experience. I've done this for a year. What could I possibly write about? Write about your first year. I'm sure it was tough, right? I'm sure there were things for you to overcome as a first year marketer, lawyer, you know, finance person, whatever it is, right, that you had to deal with. Write about that. People will zoom in on that. And that's absolutely key. So don't let that hold you back. And that's absolutely important. And then you asked about imposter syndrome. It's a tough one, right? Imposter syndrome is that feeling where, okay, I'm going to tell my story, but why would anyone listen to me? Who am I? That type of thing. I'm an imposter, basically. First of all, it never goes away. I've written four books. Lean UX has literally started a global movement in the last decade. And still, I feel that feeling that's out there. Forever Employable came out a few weeks ago, a couple weeks ago. I'm fully confident in the story. I believe every word in that book. I lived every word in that book. It's my story that's in there. And yet it launches and you look at, you look at that Amazon page with the book cover on and you're like, God, I hope somebody buys this thing. I don't know why they would buy it but I hope they buy it. You know, like it's really strange how it never really goes away. And frankly, I actually think that's a good thing because it's that, it's a phrase I love. I learned this phrase. Here's the most cliche phrase ever, ready? I learned it in a TED talk, <laughs> right? But really, I learned this fantastic phrase in a TED talk by a guy named Astro Teller. Astro Teller is, first of all, a fantastic name. Second of all, he's the guy who runs X, which is Google's innovation laboratory. And he talks about how he encourages continuous learning at Google's moonshot factory, the innovation lab X. And the phrase that he uses there is enthusiastic skepticism. And for me, I love that phrase because what he means by that is that no matter how experienced we are, no matter how good we are at our jobs or how much success we've seen, we are enthusiastically skeptical 
about the work. In other words, we're enthusiastic to find a better way. We're enthusiastic to improve it. We're enthusiastic to get better ourselves. And I think that imposter syndrome, in moderation, not in crippling amounts, but in moderation, fuels enthusiastic skepticism, which then drives you to get better at what you're doing and to always, and again, it's, it's humility, to be clear. So coming full circle, it's coming back to humility. I love that you brought it because that's exactly what I felt. I was like, this seems to be all part of a process of humility. And even the hesitation from putting yourself out there, it's almost thinking like, oh, I'm supposed to be that good to be able to publish anything when rather it's just whatever it is that you have. If you get into the habit of putting it out there, you're being humble by knowing that, hey, it's maybe not the perfect thing, but it's my experience. It's put out there. It's getting me to grow. It's putting my stake in the ground. And in essence, you're building the voice, you're developing, and now you're kind of forced in this teacher position, which means now you are continuously improving, you are doing more research, you are more curious about the topic. And it kind of starts this snowball effect that I would say is pretty much your formula here. Because once you've become the thought leader about anything, or if you've shared these experiences, you're more than just a resume, you're reputable expert, whatever name you want to drive it down. And so what I wanted to ask in closing, because I could see how if I'm an employee, and I understand, okay, I want to be forever employable. This is basically, in essence, knowing that I should always be putting feedback on my knowledge, always sharpening the axe, putting the axe out to be displayed so that I can get feedback on the axe and then keep sharpening it again. And I wanted to tie this because you hinted towards about the future of work. And I wanted to kind of get a glimpse from your perspective on how does that look like as more people embrace these concepts of forever employable? Are jobs going to be the same moving forward? Are you seeing trends that you think are exciting or we need to be looking out for? Yeah. So look, I think the people who will be successful moving forward are going to be the storytellers. Like the most successful people, they're going to be the storytellers. My background is design and there's an infinite and endless and bottomless and exhausting debate in the design world about what your portfolio should look like, right? If you're a digital designer of some kind, I can tell you as someone who's hired designers, who's been a designer and who's hired folks for years, if you're a good storyteller, that's the most important thing. Right? So people who can communicate well. Now, I'm going to say, look, writing is a great skill to have. Some folks are going to struggle with writing. Okay, great. Can you visualize your thoughts? Can you put it in a PowerPoint? Can you just speak to it on a recording or on an audio? Whatever it is, the people who can tell a compelling story. And again, bringing everything together, right? A compelling story is your experience, your expertise presented in a humble way teaches somebody something, that's always going to make you more successful, more popular. And I don't mean that in the, in the high school popularity contest sense, but I mean, in your domain, you're going to attract a bigger audience and that's going to generate those inbound leads, whether it's for new opportunities outside your current organization or within your organization, right? Because ultimately, Communication is how stuff happens inside companies. It's how business works. And the better that you are at it, the more successful you're going to be. And that comes with practice. I mean, honestly, I wrote Lean UX for the first time. We finished it in 2012. I wrote a second edition in 2016 after four more years of writing practice, right? And I went back and I had to read it in order to understand how to update it for the second edition. I was mortified mortified at the first edition of Lean UX. I couldn't believe they published it. I was literally embarrassed by what they published. And we just signed a contract for the third edition of Lean UX. And I have to tell you, I'm terrified to go look at the second edition and read it again for the first time in a couple of years 
because I've had five more years of writing experience now. So it's a muscle. You practice, you get better. So communication is the future of work and it's how you build that recognized expertise in that brand. I love it. And I've had similar experiences where I've picked up an old blog I used to run like years ago and then I went to read the article and I was like, oh, and I think there's some beauty in that. I mean, if, if your past is embarrassing, it means that's how much you've grown. And I think there's a lot, again, I love that the whole principle we've centered around here is a lot of humbleness. And that just makes it so that we're always going to be on a path of becoming better and growing in the process. Jeff, thank you so much for coming here and sharing these amazing insights. For everybody listening, definitely pick up a copy of the book, Forever Employable. It's an amazing piece of literature. If you're watching on the video, you can see the book is being bought up. If you're listening to this only, definitely see in the show notes, we're going to have a link to that book and more work from Jeff Gotthelf where he's just really sharing the insights of how do you step into this future? How do you become that, whatever you want to label it as, thought leader, expert, person that is you know, putting out their word as a recognized expert, that is the key to becoming forever employable, is nurturing that communication and find the medium that you can express yourself. You'll find a way to get feedback on all the skills you're developing, refine clearly where you're going to plant your flag, build on these entrepreneurship qualities that are becoming more and more ancestral in the workplace today so that when it comes time to promote the person to be the lead at whatever position you have in the company, they're going to see that you're the one that goes out there and continuously refines their skills, continuously improve, continuously grows. And if you found yourself that you're at the top of the organization and you want to do something bigger, you're already going to have established network, established authority, and really find yourself being able to do incredible things with minimal effort, minimal downtime, regardless of what shift in the market that does happen. Once again, Jeff, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing these amazing insights. And for everybody listening, thank you so much for tuning in. My name is Jason Campbell, and this is Superhumans at Work, a Mind Valley podcast. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.